grab a glass and tell us a story. It's Bucks and Booze. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, George Tordzik. Super excited today to be here with my daughter, Erica, and her husband, my son-in-law, Grant. And we're going to enjoy some Sazerac rye while we talk a little bit about hunting. So let me just pour us each a little glass so we can enjoy it while we're having a conversation. Thank you. And then at the end, you are welcome. At the end of the podcast, we'll come back and give our evaluation of the Sazerac rye. So it's been a great month here. Erica and Grant currently are living in Baltimore and they were able to work it out. So they came up and have spent a good majority of the month with us. So that's been awesome. It's been the dream. Just getting in the UP air, being back with family, taking a ride out to camp in the storm, the rainy storm that we had. It's been awesome. And a wonderful opportunity to get together and celebrate the numerous occasions, yeah. how many birthdays, a wedding, and other sorts of events to get together on top of introducing baby, uh, George. baby George to the UP again, but with an extended period and yeah. more to see, aka less snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last time baby George was here, it was very blizzardy. Yeah. And, yeah. and, during, the, and during the visit, baby George turned one. So we got to celebrate his birthday together, which was great. And he got to take his first ride to camp. Yeah. So that was also very cool. That was so fun. Yeah. Got to do it on Grandpa George's birthday. Yeah, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. So that day, we're driving out to camp. And as is now typical, it sounds like there is a slurry of tourists that just love to camp out at Horseshoe Harbor where you can walk down to the beach and so we're driving on the dirt road out to go to camp and all of a sudden there's all of this traffic congestion (laughs) in the middle of the woods (laughs) there's literal like motorcycles that you drive on the road coming out of this dirt road there's someone backing up and whatever and then we finally get out to camp and on our way up the hill, it starts to sprinkle a little bit, and then when we park the car, it's just this torrential downpour, like a shower head is just blasting on us. Mm-hmm. So we cover up George, get into the barn, and then we did the tradition that I always think about when I go to camp. We did the camp roll with George for the first time, which is really fun. Yeah, so the camp... The camp roll is a tradition that's been going on at our camp since my uncle's camp uh, that we've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, so the deal is we have a jar. It costs a dollar to roll. Uh, you can only do it once a day. And it's basically from the game Yahtzee. So five dice, you get three rolls. You have to get five of a kind. If you do, you get half the pot. The other half goes to the camp for improvements. And then it starts over again. So it's always been part of the, you know, part of the draw to to take a ride to camp is 
Everybody yeah. gets to do the camp roll. Yeah. I think especially when you guys were younger. Absolutely. And the big decision is always, are you going to be the first one to roll the dice? And <laughs> potentially, like if you won the pot, then you would win less money than if you were the last one to roll. Mm, sure. Unless someone won the pot. A strategic um, component. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like forever I've been... Uh, bidding for the last roll because I like wanted to optimize the amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> Which Here. I did again this last round. <laughs> oh, nice. You, you chose to go last. I chose to go last. But yeah. you didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that just, was unclear. That just to be clear. clear. <laughs> do you have a recollection of how many times you've won the camp roll? Uh, I do not, but... That was always, not only was the camp roll a big deal, but the camp had this awesome journal that you'd walk into the camp and it was above a beam. So for the longest time I couldn't reach, so I'd have to ask dad to like go and get the journal down for us. But that was always something to be journaled. If you won the camp roll, then you would write in there like, oh. today Erica won, da 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 da. Mm. It was cool. Yeah. And then you got to see like the old entries and it was really cool to have. And we typically wrote something every time we went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which which is a little bit of the impetus for this podcast and why it started because that was that's the one thing that we lost in the fire that it was the very first thing that popped in my head and it was like yeah. the worst thing that we lost. Mm-hmm. We actually because it was so long there were three journals, two of them had been full and so we kept getting new ones. So all of those things are gone, mm. um, and we're trying to figure out some way, how are we going to document those stories and those things that happened, and we'll never be able to get everything, mm-hmm. but it was, it's hard to say to everyone, write down what you remember. Mm. I think it's much easier for people to reminisce and tell stories, and then it it makes you think of something and then you start sharing and that yeah. makes other people think and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And so I started listening to podcasts as, as I was walking this past winter and I thought maybe that's the avenue um, to get everybody to tell their stories. And, that, and as we talked about that, then it was like, and we can get stories from the other people in the area and try and yeah. capture the sort of the culture, uh, camp culture of the Keweenaw. So yeah. the journals really were, were the impetus for the whole podcast to get yeah. started. So. so sad to lose them, but excited yeah. that it turned into this yeah. beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had wrote in our new one, because we have a new journal out there now, oh. um, you know, that out of the fire, the phoenix rises and so it's kind of like that, right? Like yeah. it's a, uh, you know, one thing is gone, but a new thing starts. Mm-hmm. So, so that's part of the goal. Yeah. And so we can talk about some of your memories and some of the things that were in the journal, like the camp roll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I realized that I jumped right into storytelling before we even went through some of the themes for today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfect because we're okay. gonna, we're going to talk about stories and your memories from from the camp and from hunting and from being in a hunting family. Right. And then maybe talk to Grant a little bit about not being in, not having the experience of hunting, but having a desire to 
go down that path and to start and yeah and like what does that entail because i'm sure there's lots of people out there who who maybe have a desire to try it or you know ha- have friends that that hunt and they're like well maybe this is something i want to try but i don't really know where to go and how to start and so uh, we can talk about some of the questions and and kind of get a firsthand you know Great. account from you of what you're thinking and yeah yeah that'd be wonderful because kind of it is a big undertaking like like where do you start right when you're trying to yeah. get into yeah. this new hobby yeah it's like any anything that you undertake right there's lots of unknowns then how much do you know you have to have and people like myself and uncle jeff and Mm-hmm. Will maybe are a little over the top. <laughs> <laughs> a maybe have a little more than you actually need to have. <laughs> um, but so we can so we can talk about some of that. And we can yeah. kind of talk about some questions maybe. And um, so when I was thinking about you know trip down memory lane, some of the things that came to mind when thinking about the camp first off is that it was always such a big adventure to take a ride out to camp and some of my youngest memories of this like excitement of taking a new adventure was that driving out to camp I don't know if we're allowed to say this on a podcast but (laughs) (laughs) I was slightly younger than 16 and I was able to sit in dad's lap and and hold on to the steering wheel while oh, he sure. did the pedals. Yeah, yeah. And it was like the most exciting thing to like be driving the truck on this dirt road and it kind of felt like a roller coaster because you're hitting these bumps and going around the curves. Um, so that was always so much fun. And then, I don't know if this is a memory or if I've just seen it from the picture, but when I was younger, I could not get out of my swimsuits or my PJs. And there's this photo of me and my PJs with um, some like giant like head protection with a shield in front of the wood miser with like wood chips all over me. <laughs> I just remember like doing like silly projects that I'm sure I was not helpful in any way, but it was really fun to like be involved and to create something from the woods that you know mm-hmm. you're you're taking and taking home with you and. Um, can transport you almost back to that place mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that was fun. And I joked about it a little bit when we took baby George out there that next year this time he'd be driving. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Maybe, maybe that's a little premature. But, um, but it was always one of the fun things and something I remember too of, of driving, right? And it was all, and then if you and Kate were both there, one person got to drive out, one yeah. back, or halfway, or, oh, you know, geez. there was always some mm-hmm. some bartering on who got, <laughs> who got to do it. Uh, but it was, a, it was always a really fun thing. So the road to the camp is, it's three miles. The first mile is on a fairly wide, fairly, fairly good dirt road. The second two miles is just a two-track, the last mile being... Very, very rough two track. <laughs> and so, um, so you don't want to take your good car out. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it was always fun because we just putter along 
at Idle, and the girls would drive, and it was always such a big deal. And it was fun for me, too. It was, it was a fun adventure, and it's sort of been one of those legacy kind of things, I guess. And Ben and Bryce, uh, my other grandson's <laughs> same boat now, so they they do the same thing. They they drive out on my lap when we go and stuff, so... And I don't remember fun. when I was allowed to also do the pedals, but yeah. I remember that being like a big coming of age. Like I was able to do the steering wheel and the pedals go out to the camp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and I can only imagine now being a parent, like relinquishing that control over to your child. It like has to be so nerve wracking the first time. But. but it's fun and it's a good way to mm-hmm. learn how to drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And the worst thing that can happen is you take the beater truck and hit a tree. Yeah. <laughs> sure, At, like three go. miles an hour. Low stakes. Low stakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun uh, doing little projects out there and running the wood miser and yeah. and all those kind of things. Yeah. That was a ball. In addition, you know, there was a lot of time at the camp. In addition to hunting. Um, right. Yeah. Like, because as you girls were growing up, we were building our our house at the lake, and and we cut a lot of the wood for the house out there, and so we were constantly using the sawmill to to make lumber and to you know mm-hmm. to make paneling and the flooring and a bunch of stuff, and so there were there were always projects going on uh, as we were as we were up for the summer. Yeah, and. Well, the safe project for us girls to do when we were younger was to put um, wood chips, or not wood chips, saw, <laughs> yeah, yeah. wood chips? Wood chips, saw yeah. us, yeah. Saw us into garbage bags, and we, this isn't necessarily a camp story, but at, <laughs> at Medora, we'd haul it down the trail, and then line the trail with the sawdust, <laughs> and then come back, and your feet are just caked in wood chips and sawdust on your way back, but it made for an awesome trail in the yeah. end. <laughs> and although you didn't you you never really were that pumped about hunting <laughs> you're always kind enough to go and spend some time with me in the blind at some point mm-hmm. yeah i feel like it was at least once a season that we would Kate and I, I feel like we always went out individually, mm-hmm. right? It was yep. two inch for both of us, probably too loud for both of us to be there. <laughs> and probably too loud for just me to be there because we never saw an animal besides a bird. <laughs> well, maybe we did. We I think did. we saw a few yeah. deer. We never saw any, like, I never had an opportunity to shoot a deer when we were out yeah, there together. Yeah. But there was this one trip that I feel like really sticks in my mind. When we were on our way out there, like, the trip to camp is always a big deal, too. Like, you stop at, you know, the gas station or grocery store or something, and you get treats to bring out. And so this particular time, we picked out a blueberry muffin and a poppy seed muffin and brought them out to the blind. And you have to get out there early so you can scope out what's in the woods. And so we're sitting there with our muffins and had eaten some of it and didn't want the rest and so we sprinkled the rest of the muffin on the outside of the mm-hmm. windowsill and then these chickadees came like right to the windowsill so it was like such a fun time to just like be bird watching and probably like squirrels and chipmunks also came up there and it was so fun to just be in the woods where it's like you just feel like you're immersed in nature right yeah for sure i think even to this day, that's a big part of hunting for me. I, mm-hmm. 
it's not just that you're going to shoot a deer. It's being out there and seeing nature and seeing wildlife and just slowing down. It's like one place yeah. that you can just completely slow down and and it's funny how your senses change and you hear things that you wouldn't normally hear and you smell things you wouldn't normally smell and yeah, it, it really very, causes you to slow down. Yeah, and it's funny because that story seems very sort of matter-of-fact and mundane, and it's like a chickadee came and ate a piece of muffin that we had. <laughs> Big deal. But I, it was it, special, yeah. It's like like vivid. Like if I could like somehow hook my brain to a camera, I could show you exactly what it was like that day. Yeah. Exactly yeah. where the muffin was sitting, what it looked like, <laughs> what the chickadee looked like, where you and I were sitting. And even the smells, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. So that... That sort of simple kind of, you know, story was a big deal. It was mm-hmm. just a great moment. It was great to be together. I think at the time you were like middle school age, maybe even a little bit younger than that. Yeah. You were yeah. pretty you were pretty little at the time and and that whole experience and having that bird there and stuff was like such a big deal. It was yeah. so great. Yeah, it, it was, was awesome. really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really clear for me too. I don't know why. But. Yeah, and it was always, it was always great to have you and Kate and mm-hmm. sit in the blind with me and just spend some time together. And and again, it's just like quiet and peaceful, and just get to kind of share that nature and mm-hmm. and the serenity of being in the woods. Yeah. Uh, especially in the fall. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, I remember it was in the fall. Like, all the leaves are changing, which is another thing you have to be wary of as a hunter. You have to be careful where you're stepping in the fall because all of the leaves and branches, like, a tiny little crack just sounds so loud when you're out in the woods. Yeah, and I think as kids, it's kind of a good lesson, right? Like, to be very conscientious of your surroundings and all those things, like all those little things matter and everything is sort of purposeful and mm-hmm. and you have to kind of be aware and mm-hmm. and it's not, you know, it's not some flashy kind of, right. you know, like we live in a society where everything is like so in your face and New, loud and bright, and boom, boom, yeah. boom, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's a chance to like step back a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of... Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that, you know, coming in as an outsider um, to see and appreciate how special and important camp is, not only to this family, but the community at large uh, of those who participate in it. I mean, even in the discussion that we've had right now, I mean, let's think about the the layers on there right so camp played a role in you know your life being able to grow up George and the experiences that you had there and how they formed and shaped Erica's and Kate's even to the the sort of level that there were certain look forward to rituals to go out there Who's going to get to drive? Who's going to get to do camp roll first? And and, and I think that that's such a a special and important thing that I don't think many people, many families, many communities have. And 
and I, I can appreciate that because I know when I was first introduced, right, coming out here the summer of 2016, which um, was a wild adventure in itself, <laughs> I, uh, I was... Incredibly brave. <laughs> incredibly bra- some say brave, some say bamboozled. Uh, <laughs> I came out from Oregon with Erica to um, uh, work at the Harbor House and uh, live with the future in-laws. A daunting task for a <laughs> boyfriend of any family. Uh, and at that time, we didn't know they were future in-laws. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Which adds even well, more pressure. Well, maybe, maybe you didn't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it, the important element there is, I mean, I was taken to camp and I was able to see and experience it and appreciate it as a whole. And I could see the sort of level of importance that people had. And it didn't sort of dawn on me the element until I, I continued to build these stories and, and hear this about how, you know, Medora was built based on resources gathered from there. The the memory, the countless memories and experiences that were held at camp. And I think the first experience that I had at camp that really left its mark on me was of course August, Erica's birthday, uh, you know, I'm far away from home, I, you know, it's, it's kind of limited transportation, uh, Copper Harbor is, you know, famously uh, isolated in its own way, shape, and form, so you need to be very resourceful, and of course, being the, the new boyfriend wanting to impress not only Erica and the family, <laughs> to be like, I can get a good birthday present, uh, <laughs> um, I'll never forget having that conversation with, um, you know, Grandpa Ken, and, and you, and, and Jeff, and trying to figure out what would be the best thing, and what we ultimately settled on was um, being, you know, carted up to camp, and we gathered some wood, came back down, and worked in Red and Ken's garage to fabricate a frame, and then print off several different photos of Erica and I, and, you know, then we kind of, you know, dremeled some hearts in there to, you know, extra flair, of course. Um, and, and, and that was a really special gift. It's something that it we really still hold was, on to yeah. today. And it's funny to think that, you know, such a place can hold such, you know, power and importance. But, you know, even from the very beginning of our relationship, mm-hmm. did it have that, you know, element to it yeah. all the way fast forward to 2023 you know we're taking our son up there to have you know his first ride in a side-by-side with grandpa like that's a pretty powerful place it's a powerful yeah. you know I, I I'm I'm jealous that I did not have that growing up but I'm forever grateful to have and kind of soak up the opportunities that I have now to kind of uh experience have those experiences with with everyone so yeah it's such a great story and it's true the frame still it hangs above our bed to this day and Mm -hmm. it's like one of my favorite things that we hang on our wall because it's like it's wood from the camp right it just Mm -hmm. feels like it's home yeah and i think it's also your effort and your yeah taking that you know initiative to to create it and to, to make sure. it and I, and I, I think that place affords that opportunity yeah. those those resources are there that it it sort of generates that kind of idea the 
the the place and the energy that everyone brings to that place right. and and just where it is and what it is mm-hmm. s- sort of helps to you know make those circumstances not only possible but also happen yeah. you know it sure. sort of pushes you in that direction a little bit I think yeah I think it helps people like when you're in a space that is a little bit slowed down and a little bit more quiet like you can be more creative right like I think there are so yeah. many ways in which people are really creative at camp in either how they build things or gather things or um, like you were saying just being more resourceful and using the land or uh, one other memory that I have is kind of playing off of being creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember when this was. It was um, a winter sometime. I want to say, for some reason, winter 2018 draws me in, and that's that's what I want to say. But um, I remember we were living downstate, and we, we came up, and um, everyone was out there. So, you know, George and Lisa, Kate Frank, uh, I think only then was then around that. I don't remember Bryce, but, um, we were, it was, it was absolutely snowy. And I remember, you know, creatively, well, I, I wasn't being the creative one. I was kind of going along with the, the creative <laughs> event, but, um, there were sort of the rafts that were blown up and then everybody would kind of sled down the, uh, the trails up at camp, up and down, which is, just a, do you remember the story? Was, was it on yeah. um, Brockway or was it at camp? No, no it was, it was at, at camp. camp. Yeah. Down, okay. down the driveway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my oh. word, that was so much fun. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is fun. It's fun to, to venture out there in the winter. Yeah. Which is a much bigger ordeal yeah <laughs> i remember the truck slip sliding backwards we're okay <laughs> yeah like when the girls were little we had a couple of adventures where we took a like this may have been courageous or just crazy we had a couple of adventures where we took the girls and their friends out there one time for katie's birthday yeah um, and then I think there was a second time, maybe it was Katie's birthday, two years in a row, yeah. whatever it was. And, mm-hmm. and we didn't have any way to get out there. So we had all these little girls. I think Erica was probably six, seven years old, maybe. And Kate was like in oh, middle really? school. I don't know. You guys were really young yeah. mm-hmm. and you brought Alyssa with you. Yeah. Your, that was the one friend that you brought and Kate had like four or five friends cause yeah. it was her birthday. And so we went out with sleds. We pulled them. We we pulled oh, everything fantastic. on sleds and went out. And um, and during the time we were out there, it was just this beautiful, huge snowflake, constant snowfall, and it was just gorgeous out was, there. Yeah. And we had no concept of how bad it was in town. But oh, they had wow. lost power in Calumet. Nobody had power in Copper Harbor. Oh. And we were out there. There is no power, yeah. so it yeah. didn't matter. And we yeah. just thought everything was. Rosie, <laughs> and you know, taking saunas, and the girls were in their bathing suits yeah. running through the snow outside and yeah, stuff, yeah. And, and it was just a ball. Yeah. Um, and we had no idea that we ever thought everything was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't oh the, I don't know if the parents of the other kids were so confident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's also no communication, so right. we, oh, sure. we didn't know anything until we got out. like Two days later. Yeah, that's the other special thing about camp was not having communication or internet or cell phones, any of that stuff, but also 
to go out there and not have power was such a, like, it felt like you were, you know, on the new frontier. Like, you had to, like, build a wood, you know, fire to heat the camp. That's also what you Mm -hmm. cooked on. And then I can never forget the first time that I saw the gas lanterns being lit. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. Like, you turn this knob and then, you know, hold up the lighter to the lamp. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you have this really bright light. And I had never seen something like that before. But it was, I don't know, going through all of those steps when you get into camp was also really cool to learn, like, you know, the effort it takes to heat a house and light a house. And, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it is a... It- it is a different, it's just a whole different way of mm-hmm. existing, even if it's just for a day or, mm-hmm. or half a day or whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think, as, I think as, when you're younger, as kids, all of those things are, like, exponential, right? It's like, everything is so much bigger and yeah. more... <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know why the gas lantern, it, like, just seemed like magic to me. It was just, it was really crazy, but so cool. Well, the things you just don't see anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like, who has a gas lantern in their house? (laughs) You just don't see it. It was attached to the ceiling, right? right? Yeah, just Just like a light, mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know why, like, this sticks in my mind so much. No, yeah, I mean, I get it, I get it. I think that's some of the, that is some of the memories, though, of, of camp and stuff are these kind of from afar incidental and you know sort of just simple mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. but they're but they stick with you and they're important and they you know you remember yeah. them yeah and it's always you know i think so much of it too is that you end up there with your family and your friends and you're the you know you're not going there to work you're not going there to yeah school you're not going there to to do some kind of you know chore that you don't want to do it's always you're going on this adventure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if, even if you're going there to like we were talking about before to work on stuff or, or to to make a present yeah it's different right like it's this adventure you're going to, right. to yeah, yeah, yeah. you know try this different thing so something we had talked about um before this conversation was um how dad had always wanted kate and i to well i don't know if he wanted us to be big hunters but we had not expressed the greatest interest in hunting <laughs> <laughs> when we were younger and i remember in sixth grade there was this optional hunter safety, so um, if you're new to hunting and getting in the game, I feel like hunter safety is a good first step. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember not being super jazzed about taking hunter safety, and Dad's like, you might as well do it. Like, what if in the future you want to go hunting? <laughs> so, Which maybe was <laughs> sneakily trying to push you in that direction. <laughs> did do hunter safety even though I slightly eye-rolled on my way to class and I feel like I always had some resistance to getting into hunting and then when I was in high school I read 
the Hunger Games book series and was just enamored with Katniss and finally had this like fire to be like I want to shoot a bow and arrow and be out in the woods and be this adventurer and I went to my dad and I can only imagine the joy that it brought you to be like I was so excited <laughs> dad I want to be this like great archer and like get out in the woods and so I swear like not five minutes later my dad has the, his bow and arrow already has the target in our backyard of our, you know, residential setting home. And we're out in the back of the house. And I don't know what kind of bow it was. Yeah, so it, it's it's a bare recurve bow. So, you know, it just has a single string. And so you have to be able to pull it back far enough to let the arrow go. There's no let off or anything. But I thought it would be the best way to start because with a compound bow, you have to be strong enough. And my bow was set pretty high, so you have to be strong enough to pull all the way back. And then it's going to go. And if you have your wrist wrong, anything goes wrong, mm -hmm. you can snap your arm with the string and it hurts pretty much, <laughs> okay. which I have done before. Um, so I was trying to put something together that we could do. And it would be safe and fun and get, and get you hooked. Yeah, I'm trying to just imagine you contain your excitement. <laughs> so we're both so excited, even though Dad is containing his excitement. <laughs> we go out into the backyard, and I get some brief lessons. And I think it was the very first arrow I, think so. I shot. I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> so... I pull back the bow, I'm aiming at my target, and I'm just ready to be this fantastic archer. I'm just, I think that the arrow is going to go right into the bullseye, and I'm going to impress my dad so much in this first shot. Yes. And so I let go, and then... I hear this crash. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by, I hear this crash. <laughs> so, apparently we have interference from Siri or something. Siri is Even Siri is pumped about it. <laughs> and it turns out that I totally missed the target altogether, and the arrow went shooting back towards the house into one of these glass um we had like glass block windows in the basement yeah and shattered one of the <laughs> glass block windows in our house and i just felt so bad and i felt so unprepared i'm like dad i don't think i can do this anymore and my dad is like Erica, we have to keep going. Like, we, we can't <laughs> yeah, just shoot one arrow. I didn't care at all about the window. <laughs> Break them all. <laughs> like, we have to keep going. If you're going to be an archer, we have to keep shooting. <laughs> yeah. and the, funny, the funny part of it is, is because it's, I mean, it's fairly hard to pull back. It's a pretty stout recurve bow. And so you pulled it back and shot and... The arrow was just on this big loop. I think if I was on the other side, it could have grabbed the arrow out of the air. It was <laughs> barely going. It was just barely made it there. <laughs> but it hit 
perfectly right in the middle of one of those glass blocks. Like, like it's, it did, it actually only, the block is. I feel like this makes the story so much worse. <laughs> There's an inside and an outside to the glass block, and it actually broke the outside glass and not the inside glass. That's how slow it was going. <laughs> <laughs> and the hair was just sticking out of it. <laughs> not only did Dad want to keep going, but we didn't even move. We didn't have the sense to move the target. Like, yeah. why did we place the target in the direction of the house? <laughs> <laughs> it just can't happen. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Yep, that was that was the one archery the lesson. One and only archery lesson. Unfortunately, I'm willing to do it again. Perfect. Right At the now, camp. Live we could on the podcast. We could stop the podcast right now. I'll get everything okay. together. This <laughs> is a cut that comes back. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> what happened? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Just, we'll put the target somewhere else. <laughs> Make sure. Oh, my word. That is too funny. So, lesson number one in hunting. Don't put the target next to an item or object that you don't want to hit. Yeah, that's fair. That is a good lesson. It's a very, very important lesson for our listeners. <laughs> don't put your, don't put your bow targets anywhere near a window, <laughs> or even in the direction of a window. Yeah, I don't even think it was directly. No, it wasn't. The whole thing was. Yeah, it was fairly out of the way of the window. <laughs> You probably should have been shooting directly away from the window. <laughs> that, would have, that would have been smarter on your dad's part. <laughs> you know, there's this little girl, Katniss, who's who's now listening to this podcast and being like, so it doesn't really matter where I put the target. <laughs> <laughs> yep, go ahead, do it. Just keep shooting. Yeah, just keep shooting. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> But I think it was. I think it was. Um, it was great for you girls to sit with me and to kind of put up with me and do it a little bit. It was bit. always so much fun. And and I really never tried to push it. I was never like, you, "This is something you have to do," or mm-hmm. "Come on, you need to do this." Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's important not to not to push people into hunting and you know overdo it because then you can just turn people off to the whole activity and the whole sport and for some people it just takes you know they may not be ready for it and especially when they're younger it just might not you know they might not be able to to handle the circumstances very well or not might not be ready for for parts of it and Mm -hmm. when they get older maybe they are I know, like, talking to Dan, when he was young, he was forced to go rabbit hunting every Saturday. And he, since that day forward, he just hates hunting because he was yeah. forced to do it as a kid and didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know? So so I think it's important to give kids that opportunity and to try and, you know, you can try and nurture it and, and make it fun and exciting and stuff. But to also be, like, it's not something you have to do, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and let let kids make that choice, that decision on their own. Mm-hmm. And when it's right, if it's, if it's right and when it's right, then mm-hmm. then you help along, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Why do I feel like for Baby George's second birthday, there's going to be a camo neon orange hunter jacket? Because there will be. I was really falling into the Sunday thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was telling me yesterday how excited he is about it. That makes perfect sense. Why has he signed up for Hunter Safety? Because <laughs> he's going to turn two next year. <laughs> perfect. Grandpa George, you have to bring baby George back from camp. <laughs> we will at the end of the season. <laughs> oh my word. It all works out. It'll be good. Perfect. Which I think is a good segue into right new hunters and kind of exposure and learning more about it. Right, so I I grew up um, never really camping, never really hunting. Um, you know, I, I think for a myriad of reasons, it just I don't think it, it necessarily came up as options within my friend group to do, and it wasn't anything that my family was a part of or had sort of uh, any ties into doing. I, if there was just other kind of things that we did, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that's why I, you know, I'm, I'm interested and, you know, I definitely want to learn more. It sounds like at the very first, I got to take a hunter safety course. <laughs> <laughs> I think if, if it was up to Eric, I think that's it. <laughs> why is this guy dressed up like Elmer? You don't have to look like it. <laughs> 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 I just want to make sure you see me. Because <laughs> so, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely interested and I, I definitely want to, you know, I want to have those experiences. And, I, you know, I think one of the things that we talked about, you know, numerous times is, you know, I think the, the why for people, why, why do people hunt and you know, a myriad of different reasons. I mean, you've got, you know, trophy hunters on the one hand and you've got, um, you know, people who live off the land with it and you know I think that I I like the idea of being able to you know process and use those resources um, you very famously have smoked a lot of uh, um, venison uh, jerky and sausage um, as have many other people uh, Jeff and Will and mm-hmm. the list goes on yeah. And I, I think that that's such a, a, a cool skill and ability to be able to have and share um, because it's, it's obviously not something that you, you know, you, you just do for yourself, right? Food is something that, you know, really brings people together and, you know, you yeah. can share a story over. And um, I, 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 I'm, I am envious of that and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I desire to have those types of experiences and be able to do that too. That would be a lot of fun. I, uh, so I, I think that's, yeah. Stuff. And I feel like both of us, you know, I don't, I don't actually know very much about hunting. So maybe you could walk through what are some of the, yeah, I think, I think that, things. Yeah. yeah, I think coming out of it with, with food, you know, if you're lucky enough to harvest the deer mm-hmm. and process it and you have that, um, I mean, I really, I love venison. I enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. And I think that in addition to the taste and, and some of the things that we do with it, mm-hmm. that knowledge that you're eating something that's more pure, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like the definition of organic, right? We talk, yeah. there's, there's organic, everything now, but 
it those animals are growing up in the wilderness eating off the land and you know there's it's about as pure of meat as you can get it's super lean um you know so i I think it's it's very healthy and it's good for you and i enjoy it and Mm -hmm. and there's something about harvesting that animal and then utilizing it i think that's great to your point Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you have, if you have the opportunity to, to have people in your family or friend group, as you do with all of us, mm-hmm. it's certainly a much easier entry point. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people get concerned about all of this stuff you have to have, right? Because if you watch hunting yeah. shows or if you watch anything that has to do with that. Sure industry overwhelming yeah right because there's lots of people creating lots of products that are very expensive and mm-hmm. and you i think it's easy to get caught up in this well you have to have all this gear and you have to have all this clothing and you have to have this pair of binoculars and you have to have a rangefinder and you have to have you know a certain rifle and like on and on and on and on there's so many things right um, and it's this huge industry now, yeah. um, which is great. It's great to have all these gear options, mm-hmm. right? but you don't need to have all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for somebody, you know, for somebody like yourself who wants to try it and see, mm-hmm. it's it's foolish to go and spend all kinds of money on all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in amongst our family, we have plenty of rifles for you to to use until you figure out if it's something you want to do and if it's something you like and what's going to be the best option for you you know um i think clothing wise you know you do need to have some hunter's orange um, (laughs) to be safe and to be legal (laughs) um but again like we have an abundance of those things because like i said earlier perhaps like Jeff and I are a little overboard. Um, <laughs> um, so, so I think like gear wise in our family, it's great. And families who have a hunting tradition, mm-hmm. that's usually part of it. Uh, it's another one of those things I lost in the fire. That's a bummer was I had my grandfather's wool pants that I've worn every year. Deer hunting were there, you know? So so I think in hunting families, there's often lots of things, gear and stuff that's passed down. And then as you do it over the years, you start to accumulate things that make your hunting experience better and, and can help you be more. I mean, lots of those things do help you be more successful and it's great to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it's necessary sure. and you kind of work into that and, like any hobby, right? If you're going to be yeah. a woodworker, you can't just go and buy an entire shop to yeah. start doing woodworking, and then you're like, oh, I don't really like this. <laughs> right? yeah, um, yeah. And you just accumulate things as you go, and yeah, and and sort of get there. And the and then the knowledge of how and what to do, in my opinion, is all part of the fun of hunting with a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're if you're a person who is completely on your own and you don't have any friend group or family that hunts and you want to try and start on your own, 
it's a much bigger hill to climb, right? Sure. There's a lot <clears throat> that you're going to have to figure out and stuff. And I would always advise somebody in that predicament to try and find some people yeah. um, of a you like mind. That there's lots of yeah. online groups that you could yeah. seek out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been, it's been great in our... It's been great in our family because we have several people who had never hunted, didn't have any, you know, same boat as you, Grant, that didn't hunt. I mean, their family didn't. That wasn't part of what they did. Their friends didn't do it. They maybe grew up in a place or whatever the circumstances were. It just wasn't something that they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now they hunt with us, you know, Um Frank never had hunted before. Ed hadn't hunted before. Johnny Kilpula hadn't hunted before. Lot, I mean, there's lots of people that have hunted with us or still hunt with us that started that way. And um, and it's on both sides of the coin, it's part of the fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's really exciting and fun to have somebody come for the first time. And to have somebody come and, you know, sit with you and hunt and to try and share some of the knowledge or things you've learned over time yeah, uh, about hunting, it's it's a blast, I, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's part of, it's, it's one of those, it's part of camp and it's part of, I've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, part of the intro is to grab a glass and tell us a story because that's what happens every night. Sure. Like yeah. we all, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we sit around and have a glass of whatever you like to drink and, <laughs> and tell stories. And, and that's kind of how you learn. I mean, that's how I learned as a kid sitting around listening to my dad and my uncle and the guys in the camp. And they would talk about that day and other days and what they did and, you know, how things went wrong and what things went right. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's all part of it. And I, and I think that the experience of all those things is the greatest part of it mm-hmm. for me. And if you are lucky enough to harvest a deer, that's sort of like the bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <clears throat> for me, the deer harvest is not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more about the experience, the experience and the yeah. time and the, yeah, and the people culture. and the yeah. culture. And it's funny too. I, I, so I hear you talk about, you know, being able to be a, a, as a kid, listen to these different stories and experiences that your uncles or, or your dad had and whatnot. And it's funny because I, I think that that's one of the great elements, many elements that, that are provided by this podcast is, I mean, e- even going through the the podcast episodes that immediately popped into my mind of, of you know, things to be wary of. I think about um, the episode that you shared with Kate where the barrel was overly lubricated <laughs> and subsequently there were several, what, dry fires or, yep. and, and misfires. Yep. And, uh, and so that's funny oh, because... Painful. <laughs> painful, painful. <laughs> and I think that's... Um, that's funny because I feel like that that opportunity is kind of provided to you know people who can enjoy this podcast because they get a little taste of that, and I think that that's that's one of the things that you know helped you know push and further encourage me making it 
more approachable and more um yeah, i think approachable is probably the most because you're yeah. right the barrier of entry is huge it's it's literally like drinking from a fire hose if you're just trying to figure out what it is and so i think having you know family or friends to be able to uh sherpa you in if you will yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is uh a wonderful benefit and i'm sure that there's so much more accelerated learnings along the way because of that and just general more enjoyment. I'm, I am certain that if um, someone just started Googling and watching YouTube videos, bought all of the best gear, and then went out into the wilderness, I, I would be hard-pressed to be convinced that they were having nearly as much fun oh, yeah. as the people at camp who do this, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally agree. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I think it's... A much greater experience when it's shared, right? Sure, sure. And I think that, I think the term approachable is a great term, right? Because I, th- I think it, it, it is very approachable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, it's not difficult. Yeah. It's, you know, I think, um, again, there's a, there's an industry part of it that makes it seem difficult, right? Like, you have to be something larger than life to be great at this mm-hmm. when it's when you, you don't have to, that's not true <laughs> you don't have to be if you want to be the best in the world maybe you know <laughs> sure, yeah. um but that you know that's not really what what i'm striving for what anybody i know is striving for mm-hmm. right we're mm-hmm. just trying to have fun and enjoy it and be part of it yeah so <laughs> so i think i think it's a great point like you know like don't let it get to be too big. Yeah. Right. It's really. Don't put it on the pedestal. Yeah. It's really. It's it's, it's really yeah. fundamentally it's a simple thing. Yeah. And you can get you know as you get into it and do things like there's. It's like an infinite amount of opportunity. Like there's lots of things you can do and you can really challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Um. But it doesn't have to be that way. Sure. You can still enjoy it just by being part of it yeah. yeah yeah so hopefully hopefully we get a an opportunity to do that soon yeah this year would be, be great wonderful. if not sometime soon yeah yeah definitely yeah so we've been enjoying the sazerac rye speaking mm-hmm. of best shared uh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always best to share good good bourbon good whiskey with with friends and family. Yeah. So the Sazerac rye, um, uh, straight rye whiskey, Sazerac, a huge distributor uh, in the United States, including all of Buffalo Trace's products um, and, a, and a, just a vast array of really great things. So what do we think of the Sazerac rye? Oh, I think the first thing that hits you more than anything else is how smooth it is yeah that's one of the things that i appreciate most it's um it is the smoothest thing that that i've i've had it's 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 absolutely incredible it's got nice little spice notes to it and um yeah i i can't overstate how smooth it is (laughs) i agree it's 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 fantastic and I had not had it until just recently. Um, I, I agree that this 
smoothness is a huge factor in it. Yeah. It has a little tiny bit of sweetness to it, but certainly not overpowering. The rye is not overpowering either. You can taste a little bit of the rye, like you said, a little bit of the spice, mm-hmm. but it's not dramatic. It doesn't yeah. doesn't like overrun the whiskey at all. Yeah, I think it's really great. I think you guys summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike my archery skills, Sazerac Rye hit the bullseye. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I think that could be the greatest <laughs> endorsement of Sazerac Rye in the history of the world. If anybody from Sazerac's listening, yeah. you have a new spokesperson. Yeah. I'm going to contact you immediately. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so, definite, uh, definite. Two thumbs up. Yep, support it 100%. <laughs> recommend it. Recommend you picking up some Sazerac rye. Oh, my word. Well, thanks, guys. It yeah, was great. Great, great to have us. you on the podcast. Glad to be back uh, doing podcasts. We're going to try to get back on track. Now that the 100 days of August is over at the Harbor House. Nice. And trying to get a podcast out every week again. Uh, got some some local people on the line. Oh, We're going to try and get some some people from some other camps involved as well Ooh. on top of ours. So look, uh, look for those episodes to be coming out soon. And I'll see you again on another episode of Bucks and Booze. <laughs>